we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands, just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it up! Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Krikorian, Executive Director of the Center. And this week, what we're offering is excerpts from congressional testimony from a hearing last week on the subject of terrorist entry through the southwest border. And the reason we are including that is because the lead witness was Todd Benzman, Senior National Security Fellow here at the Center. And the audio you're going to hear is the introduction to the panelists by the chairman of the Immigration Subcommittee, Congressman Tom McClintock, and then Todd's presentation, two other law enforcement veterans' presentation, and then some of the Q&A that was directed toward Todd. The whole video is available at our website. We have it embedded there if you want to listen to the whole thing. And also, we have a link to Todd's written testimony. And the way these things work is you only have five minutes to make your argument. So the written testimony is usually longer and goes into some more detail. It's not, you know, a PhD dissertation. It's not that long, but it does offer some more examples and some more analysis and is worth looking at if you're interested in the subject. So with no further delay, I now hand it over to Congressman Tom McClintock. Our first witness will be Mr. Todd Benzman. Uh, Mr. Benzman is the Texas-based Senior National Security Fellow for the Center for Immigration Studies. Prior to that, he led counterterrorism intelligence for the Texas Department of Public Safety's Intelligence and Counterterrorism Division. He's written about and routinely reports on the U.S. border crisis. Mr. Benzman holds an MA in Security Studies from the Naval Postgraduate School, the Center for Homeland Defense and Security, and an undergraduate degree in journalism from Northern Arizona University. Our second witness will be Mr. Charles Marino. Uh, Mr. Marino is a national security expert who served as senior law enforcement advisor to DHS Secretary Janet Napolitano from 2009 to 2011. He was a career uh, Secret Service uh, officer during three different administrations. He is a graduate of the National War College, from which he received an MS in National Security Strategy, and is currently an adjunct professor at the uh, University of uh, South Carolina. And then finally, uh, returning to the subcommittee is uh, Chief Rodney Scott, who served 29 years in the United States Border Patrol before retiring as Chief of the Border Patrol in August of 2021. During that time, he held numerous leadership positions at various stations and sectors along the southwest border, as well as several leadership and specialized assignments uh, at U.S. Customs and Border Protection uh, Headquarters. I want to welcome all of our witnesses, uh, thank them for appearing today. Uh, Please know that your written testimony will be entered into the record uh, in its entirety. Uh, So accordingly, we'll we'll ask you to summarize your testimony in five minutes, Uh, and Mr. Benzman, we'll begin with you. Thank you for holding this hearing about a national security consequence of the worst mass migration crisis ever to have stricken America. The consequences, the threat of terrorist entry over that border. 
and evidence demonstrates the mass migration crisis has elevated that threat, as I'll explain. After 9-11, DHS developed border counterterrorism programs that did prevent terrorist infiltration into the United States. A threat, by the way, that the 9-11 Commission expressly warned about. Programs established in 2004, perhaps aided by sheer luck, have thwarted numerous border crossers for 20 years, as I documented in my book, America's Covert Border War. The sole illegal entrant who has carried out an attack since 9-11 was a Somali who sympathized with ISIS and crossed illegally at San Ysidro and was released and went on later to strike Edmonton, Alberta, Canada in 2017. But the ongoing border crisis has rendered those counterterrorism programs unviable now. One of the most impactful of those systems directed Border Patrol agents to tag migrants as special interest aliens if they hailed from listed countries where terrorist groups operated. ICE would detain special interest aliens until federal agents could interview and debrief them as part of enhanced security investigations. Derogatory results led to many deportations, which kept Americans safe. A recent CNN report, however, revealed just the latest evidence that this interview program has broken down. DHS went into red alert after discovering a human smuggler tied to ISIS had brought at least a dozen Uzbekistani special interest aliens over the border. They were all quickly freed into the interior like most other illegal immigrants of late without being interviewed. We know this because CNN also reported that U.S. authorities mounted a nationwide manhunt for the Uzbekistanis so that they now could conduct the interviews. This episode is only the latest revealing failures in our border screening systems. If you won't believe me, review the July report of DHS's Office of Inspector General, which detailed how Yuma Sector Border Patrol agents accidentally freed a Colombian national on the terror watch list. Authorities found the man in Tampa two long weeks after he was accidentally released. Why did this happen? The IG blamed the mass migration chaos for the alien's release. The Yuma agents let him go because they, and I quote, were busy processing an increased flow of migrants. And because, quote, the increase in Yuma apprehensions had created pressures to quickly process migrants and decrease the time available to review each file, end quote. Expect those screening programs to be degraded indefinitely because vast numbers of special interest aliens are currently pouring through the Darien Gap between Colombia and Panama. Usually 10,000 migrants or less pass through the gap. In 2023, however, 300,000 plus have gone through the gap. And whereas only 3,000 or 4,000 special interest aliens among them reached our southern border annually, the Daily Caller just reported that 75,000 came in just the last nine months. DHS cannot possibly vet or even interview a fraction of these numbers raising the terrorism risk. And whereas about 20 aliens on the terror watch list were caught at the southwest border in prior years, since this crisis began in 2021 through the end of July, Border Patrol apprehended an almost implausibly large number of them, 258 as of now. Those watch listed 258 are just the ones Border Patrol managed to catch 
Border Patrol failed to apprehend a record-breaking 1.8 million migrants who slipped into the interior. Mass migration-related system failure is indicated in Mexico, too. In July 2021, Mexico released a watch-listed Yemeni to clear their overcrowded detention centers, and that set off another manhunt. I don't know if he was ever found. The case of a Lebanese Venezuela who crossed from Matamoros to Brownsville in December 2021, who was flagged on the FBI watch list, is another one. Against FBI recommendations to hold the Venezuelan, ICE ordered his release on grounds that he might catch COVID. Last I heard, he was in Detroit pursuing an asylum claim. These incidents above and others described in my written testimony reveal the system is blinking red. So fingers crossed. Thank you for your testimony. Uh, we'll next hear from Mr. Marino. Thank you, Chairman McClintock, Ranking Member Jayapal, and members of the committee. Thank you for the opportunity to appear today to testify about this important topic. On the heels of the 22-year anniversary of the horrific attacks against this country on September 11, 2001, we are all reminded of the sacred responsibility that the U.S. government has to safeguard the homeland by creating and implementing effective policies to prevent another such act of terrorism. It is in this spirit that I served within the Department of Homeland Security to help protect this country for two decades under both parties and continue my work in national security today as an adjunct professor at the University of South Carolina, where I teach future generations the important process of developing comprehensive national security strategies. While the current volume of threats against the United States are undoubtedly robust in number, they are also more diverse and originate from more places than at any time in our history. But while the threat environment is constantly evolving, what must remain consistent is the indisputable need for both border security and immigration enforcement as essential strategic elements necessary to prevent bad actors from entering the country in the effort to best secure the homeland and ensure the sovereignty of the United States. This is most certainly not happening now. So it is disappointing that I appear before you today to state the obvious. The border and immigration policies of the Biden administration have made the country less safe since 9-11 by directly undercutting the very purpose for creating the Department of Homeland Security under the 2002 Homeland Security Act and by further subverting the statutory responsibilities of the Border Patrol, ICE, and practically every other agency tasked with protecting the homeland. After the U.S. government was criticized for a failure of imagination by the 9-11 Commission, our government promised all Americans that never again, never again would the country fall victim to future terrorist attacks on its soil. Despite that promise, it is blatantly obvious that the Biden administration is suffering from the same failure of imagination that took place then and foolishly underestimating how easily our adversaries, including terrorist groups, can and will exploit our open borders with the help of the Mexican cartels to kill innocent Americans. 
we must do something before it's too late. We are all aware of the catastrophic amount of fentanyl entering our country, killing approximately 70,000 Americans per year, and the unprecedented level of human trafficking, modern-day slavery, as well as the unsustainable influx of undocumented migrants that fleece Americans of their resources without paying back into the system. But we must also start paying attention to the imminent terrorist threat that the cartels and others pose to the country. After all, if the cartels will work with China to kill thousands of Americans via fentanyl, shouldn't we assume that they would also work with other adversaries and terrorists for the right price to facilitate illegal entry into the country? If anyone is not thinking this way, let me respectfully suggest they start immediately. With almost 200 migrants on the terror watch list, which have been apprehended while trying to sneak across the border, the natural question is, so how many on that list have made it in? Recently, more than a dozen Uzbekistan nationals smuggled in by a suspect with connections to ISIS were released into the United States, with some missing, just as many of those from the Afghanistan withdrawal debacle who were ushered onto our soil without thorough vetting. While I was in my role at DHS, these types of situations were always on top of mind and would have been cause for alarm. It is time to allow law enforcement to do their jobs and reestablish deterrence through enforcement. Thank you. Thank you for your testimony. You'll finally we'll hear from Chief Rodney Scott. Chief Scott. Chairman, ranking members, members of the subcommittee, good morning. I would like to share with you three critical facts that I learned while serving as a Border Patrol agent. The most critical fact is that border security is national security. It's not a political talking point, it's a fact. Over my career, I was honored to participate in the transition from an uncontrolled, chaotic Southwest border to a border that was arguably more secure than ever. Unfortunately, I also witnessed the rapid and systematic destruction of decades of improving border security in just the first few weeks of the Biden administration. To be blunt, the systematic destruction of border security and the predictable consequences scare the hell out of me, and they should scare you too. As a young frontline agent, I routinely observe smugglers coordinate distractions to get illegal aliens past Border Patrol. A common distraction was as simple as a couple of very fast teenage males making a highly visible illegal entry, and as agents shifted to chase that bait, the real group of illegal aliens would rush across the border through the gap that was created. This same tactic was used by drug smugglers. Agents would respond to a group of illegal aliens or a vehicle illegally entering, and as soon as they responded, a more significant load of narcotics would come through just out of their reach. Mexican drug cartels over my career have increasingly asserted control over all crossings between the ports of entry. Their sophisticated tactics and techniques continually improve, but the basic concept remains the same. Create a distraction too good for agents to ignore and then exploit the gap that's created. Any alien with something to hide will routinely pay to evade law enforcement to be in that second wave. That's the second critical fact, that the most serious threats to America are more commonly in that second wave. People don't understand that U.S. law enforcement records checks search U.S. databases. Crimes committed by a foreign national outside the U.S. rarely appear in these databases. 
That's the third critical fact, that records checks are just a tool to support a meaningful interview. Earlier this week, America paused to remember 9-11 terrorist attacks. 9-11 had a profound impact on my understanding of border security. In the years following, I was honored to represent Customs and Border Protection on several interagency teams, and we were tasked with improving America's anti-terrorism capabilities. Then, like now, we knew that terrorist organizations were going to increasingly seek to use operatives that were unknown. We could not rely solely on records checks. CBP improved situational awareness through intelligence and expanded capabilities of officers and agents so that they could solicit information and determine intent through effective interviews. Additionally, Border Patrol improved surveillance and doubled down on deterring illegal immigration. And it was working. Fewer illegal entries and an expanding smart wall system bought agents more time. With more time to invest in interviews, the benefits cascaded quickly. The agents were able to identify imposters, fraudulent families, gang members, various criminals, and even potential terrorist ties that records checks had not revealed. In contrast, every single border security and immigration action that the Biden administration has taken has resulted in an increase in illegal immigration, overwhelming CBP capabilities, and surrendering control of our Southwest border to the cartels. Every illegal alien released into the United States is free advertisement for the cartel and ensures an endless wave of customers to overwhelm agents. Of great concern is the increasing number of Border Patrol encounters with illegal aliens on the national watch list. From 2017 to 2020, Border Patrol encountered 14 illegal aliens on that watch list. But from 2021 through 2023, that number jumped to 263, with 149 of these being in just this year alone. This is a serious national security threat, but it only represents the known. What threats were in the 1.7 million known Godaways? What about the unknown Godaways? Compounding this threat, overwhelmed officers and agents no longer have time to conduct meaningful interviews. Border Patrol is overwhelmed with illegal aliens from several countries that are known to be affiliated with terrorism, but those agents cannot get timely language translation support to conduct the most basic processing, let alone a meaningful interview. This continues even after the discovery of the ISIS-associated smuggler that helped Uzbekistanis enter the U.S. illegally. The release of those Uzbekistanis demonstrates the vulnerability of overly relying on data systems for our national security. The key to effective law enforcement and border security will always be face-to-face -face interviews. The ongoing massive illegal immigration is a threat to our national security. And didn't we all promise after the 9-11 to never forget? And I want to thank you and all the witnesses for their testimony. We'll now proceed under the five-minute rule with questions, and we'll begin with Mr. Biggs. Mr. Bensman, you're, you're, you get down to, to the border often, I know that. Tell us about the Darien Gap. Is any vetting going on there before they move on from the Darien Gap up through the Northern Triangle states on up to the U.S.? In the Darien Gap right now, there must be 50,000 pouring through. Michael Yan, some other reporters are there right now sending us video. It's unbelievable what's happening, the numbers coming through. In normal times, when it's 10,000 or less, American and Panamanian officials have a biometric program where they try to, you know, fingerprint and photograph and take some collection on almost everybody that crosses through there. Impossible to do that right now. Impossible. Chair, recognize Mr. Tiffany for five minutes. Mr. Benzman, I really appreciate that. Representative Biggs brought up the Darien Gap. I was there a little over two years ago. 
There were lots of people coming through there at that point. The people in Bajo Chiquito, a little Indian village right on the edge of the Darien Gap, were talking about being destabilized. I have a text from the last couple days from someone who was down there. The scene is truly apocalyptic. Bajo Chiquito is completely overrun. Thousands. They had about 500 when I was there that had rolled through that day, and they viewed it as destabilizing. Thousands now, possibly more arriving every second. Is this destabilizing the country of Panama? Actually, Panama has a policy in place called controlled flow. So they are moving all of those migrants through into Costa Rica as fast as possible by bus so that they do not destabilize the country. They've always done that. Costa Rica does the same thing. Uh, They essentially, the governments are the smugglers in that case. They are moving them through rather quickly. Uh, However, the numbers that are passing through right now, I don't know. I don't think we've seen anything like this particular number right now that's happening will certainly overwhelm the Panamanian and Costa Rican capacity to move them through like normal. So they send them here? They're all coming here. I yield. Everyone's coming here. Mr. Roy. Mr. Bensman, can you please expand on your testimony about dozens of terror watch list foreign nationals apprehended at the southern border being members of the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia or FARC and how dangerous that is to this country? Right. One of the most disturbing aspects of the border crisis has been the recent development of FARC-related terror watch-listed suspects crossing that border. Those are people who have spent years and years involved in murder, kidnapping, drug trafficking, extortion, bombings. They are experts in weaponry. These are people who the United States absolutely would never countenance coming across the border and never provide a visa for, certainly. The fact that FARC members, former of the delisted faction, but also there are two FARC factions that are still listed, that those people would cross our border and come into this United States as anathema to all of our homeland security values, a terrible development that we should pay a lot of attention to because a lot of Colombians are coming across. It is true that so far, we, um, we haven't seen an attack. This is a, a relatively new thing for FARC. But one thing that we have to worry about is that when FARC members cross into the United States successfully, they will embed themselves in Colombian immigrant communities and very probably begin intimidation tactics, vigilante justice. Uh, this is a terrible thing for Colombian communities inside the United States in general. Plus, these people are professional drug traffickers their whole lives. So we're going to be hearing a lot about FARC people over the next decade. This is not not a reason. Gentlemen's time has expired. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Bensman. Recognize myself for five minutes. Mr. Bensman, we talk about legalizing the process. Don't we already have a legal process availed by millions of people? to enter this country legally, who obey all of our laws, who do everything our country's asked of them. Isn't that system already in existence? Isn't the problem that we have millions of people now flouting that law? Yes, and I I think after 9-11, a lot was done to enhance the counterterrorism kind of security screening measures for a lot of those, which I 
believe made it more difficult. They do fail still sometimes, but I believe that with this mass migration crisis that the balance is shifting where people, bad guys across the world are well aware that our border now is a vulnerability and they can get through. There was just recently in July a case in Ohio, FBI case that just wrapped up that involved a, an Iraqi asylum seeker. He is the pleaded guilty now uh, defendant whose plot involved bringing four Iraqi terrorists over the border to kill President George Bush, former President George Bush. That was a, a legitimate counterterrorism case. And what it shows us is that they're looking, the bad guys are looking at that border right now. Well, and, uh, and, and as I way. recall, he, he actually said that he was now bringing his accomplices in through the southern border because it's right. so much easier than abusing the, the, the visa process. As I said at the beginning, that's not the full hearing. Those are some excerpts that we pulled out. You can listen to the whole thing by going to our website. And right at the top, there's a slideshow. And one of the pages is for this hearing that Todd Bensman testified, and you can see the whole thing, all the Q&A, everybody's presentations, and what have you. And finally this week, I wanted to draw your attention to something that Todd actually wrote and we've published on our website this week that doesn't relate to the terrorism issue, but rather to a program the administration has launched, an unlawful program, frankly, where it is enabling inadmissible people, people without visas or any other right to come to the United States, to use the CBP-1 smartphone app that a lot of people are familiar with, but not to use it at the border, but to arrange to come into the United States by plane. They make an appointment. These are people who are citizens of Nicaragua, Venezuela, Haiti, or Cuba. They have no right to be here. They're not on any kind of list, nothing. But they can make an appointment through CBP-1 ostensibly to apply for asylum once they get here. And then they buy a plane ticket with their own money and fly from their home country or whatever country they're in, like Venezuelans may be flying from Colombia or Peru, that kind of thing, and fly into the interior of the United States. The administration has not announced any of the numbers or, or much of anything about this. It's a pretty secretive program. And they didn't want to release any of this information. So we filed a Freedom of Information Act request, a FOIA request. They refused to give it to us, so we had to file a lawsuit and litigate it. And we've gotten partial numbers, not the full information that we asked for because we're still wrangling with them in court. But what we got was pretty alarming that the administration, starting in just this year, so January through September of this year, has allowed in to airports in the United States, not at the border, close to a quarter million inadmissible aliens from these four countries, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Haiti, and Cuba. This is on top of all the people who turn themselves in when they physically step across the southwest border. And it's on top of people who use that CBP-1 app to show up at ports of entry, legal crossing points where they've made an appointment and almost all of them who applied are also let in. And this does not actually include everybody even who was flown into the United States using this CBP-1 issue because they still haven't released the numbers of Colombians or Ukrainians who have used this direct flight program. 
More recently, they've added Hondurans, El Salvadorans, and Guatemalans to this program. And so this is partial numbers, probably the lion's share, but still incomplete of well over 200,000 people. Just this year, the administration has allowed to fly into the United States. These are, in, these are these, not in effect, these are illegal immigrants that the administration is allowing to fly into the United States. One of the things we're trying to get from them is not just information on the people from the other countries, but also which airports they're flying into. And uh, they're still holding out on us, and we'll see if we can prevail in court. But it's definitely an important beginning to reporting on this story. It's on our website. The uh, post is called New Records. Biden DHS has approved hundreds of thousands of migrants for secretive foreign flights directly into U.S. airports. And um, it'll be on our website if you want to read more detail. It's not super long because we've only gotten this first batch of information out of DHS, but it is revealing as to the even greater scope of the immigration disaster this administration has visited upon the United States, bigger even than what is being reported in the media based on the number of people crossing at the border. That's all for this week. This is Mark Krikorian, Executive Director of the Center, thanking you for tuning into Parsing Immigration Policy. Feel free. Uh, I encourage you to rate and review us if your podcast platform provides for that. And in any case, feel free to email us at center at cis.org. If you have suggestions for future shows, criticisms, compliments, whatever thoughts you might have. Until then, this is Mark Krikorian signing off. Thank you.